Welcome back to another episode of Bound by the Cloak. I'm Chandi. And I'm Zoe. So have you ever thought about how and why you were raised the way you were? Or have you ever thought about how people from different cultures were raised? I guess I always wondered about cultural differences in terms of upbringing. Everybody's different, right? So even within an ethnicity, people might be raised differently, right? You might have different values. Like there's so many different factors that go into the way you're raised. Yeah. I mean, you're American, right? So you don't have the immigrant upbringing or immigrant experience that I have. And I don't have the American upbringing or experience that you've had. So and that's a huge difference just in itself. It is. And I, I, I wonder sometimes whatever experiences you have with other people, do, do people think about those things at all? I don't know. But I know as an immigrant child and talking to other people who have had similar experiences, that's something that's on our minds a lot is thinking about how and why we were raised the way we were. You know, how you're Indian at home, but then you need to be American in school. So that duality is is very confusing. When you say be American in school, what do you mean? Um, and that that's a good question, but like, you know, speaking English or doing American things, watching American shows, reading American what is books. It, what does it mean to do American things? What does it mean to read American books? I guess what other Americans who were who didn't immigrate here do so like that's i think that's what i what i'm kind of getting at is like what does it mean to do american things like what it what are american things i guess because i am american right born and raised here when somebody you know when you're still within your like the culture you were born and raised in i think the perspective that other people have is completely different from yours. Like, so to me, I'm like, well, what are you considering to be American? Because I, I don't even know. Yeah. I mean, it's basically your whole life. <laughs> everything you do, everything Zoe does, that's, that's what, that's American. But like, that's what I mean is like, there's so many different like cultures within America, within the United States. What does that mean? Give me some examples of what it is that's American, something that's American. I guess, you know, like having parents that are generally allow you to have a little bit more freedom, driving a car or getting a license when you're 16, dating, introducing that person to your parents and vice versa. Yeah, I guess when you ask it that way, it's it's hard for me to actually verbalize it because I know when I was in high school I lived it and we all lived it and that's something that you you can't just like switch off it's it's interesting because like you mentioned things that in my mind I'm like like I knew people you know I guess who did the quote-unquote stereotypical American things but then I knew also enough people who did not like they were not allowed to like just go hang out drive around and i mean i think just like with any with any culture there's what people assume is like the typical thing right that that everybody does and then there's like the reality that like 
everybody's different. Everybody has like, a, you know, it's a vast culture and there are separate parts. There are different parts to it. I don't know. Like, I, I just, it's interesting because like, I think here we always see, we can see the differences in subsets of American culture, but I think it may be more difficult for other people to see that until they actually get here and really get to see it and understand it. But then at the same time, understand that there are things that may be constant between multiple cultures, not just one group of people has does this one thing. Maybe like Americans also do this thing, but you just didn't realize that they did it. There are parallels between cultures. Yeah. Right? Yeah. Because like there's dominant culture and then there's like, you know, like I said, the subsets of culture within that that main culture. So we came across the true story of one bright young author, Kelpius Zanu. It's a well-written personal journey, as well as a kind of guide to the understanding of the African immigrant household. We decided to have a chat with Kel to discuss what inspired him to write the book and why his journey is so important. So let's get into it. Well, welcome to the show. Welcome to the podcast. Can you introduce yourself? Sure. So, uh, my name is Kel Puse Zano, but everyone kind of calls me Kel because, you know, Kel Puse is a little bit too hard for them to pronounce. African American. I was born in Niger, Niamey. So, Niamey is the capital of Niger. That's where I was born. But my parents are originally from um, Benin, West Africa. Um, so that's not actually, we share borders between Niger and, and Benin. My family, for the most part, is in Benin, half of my family, and the other half is in, is in Niger. So I'm um, born and raised there. I kind of, I spent, I believe, eight years uh, in Niamey, spent eight years there. So my upbringing, for the most part, started there. And then we migrated to the States in t- September of 2004. My dad was already here. I was born in 96 and my dad came to the States in 99. He came initially, it was for a friend's wedding that he that was in Connecticut and he found a liking to the States and he decided, you know what, I want to try and make a life for the family over here. So he initially moved here by himself. So it was myself, my mom, and crazy to think about it now, my dad, my mom was pregnant with my younger sister at the time and he left as well. So it was, you know, there was a little bit of climax during that time, an unsure time for her, I want to say. But we later joined with him in 2004, where it was myself, my younger sister, who was born in 99. And then my younger brother came in at uh, 2006. I mean, obviously, you wrote a book, right? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. That's why we're here. <laughs> That's why we're here. So it's interesting because I always wonder, you know, when I see books like this, what was the inspiration? The inspiration really came from my pastor at church. 
you know, if you were to ask me, Kel, at any point in stage of my life, would you ever write a book? I will tell you no. I don't, I don't, I never see myself as an author. This is not something that I planned that, you know, at some point I will write a book and growing up as well, reading a book really felt more of like a chore to me, unless it was a book that I was interested in. So let's say sports or something. Besides that, I didn't, I wasn't really interested in reading books. So writing a book for that matter was, you know, it was just way out there. I never, never really crossed my mind. So in uh, 2020, uh, COVID happened and my pastor I believe it was towards the end of the year that he released his first book and he decided to choose someone from the congregation to write a book. And, you know, at first, towards the end of service, he's like, you know what, Kel, you're going to write the next book. And, you know, it just went over my head like, oh, he's just joking around. He's not serious. So I don't really have to pay too much mind to it. He, even though I, I was still kind of like dodging him, I didn't really want to write the book because it's like, you know, being an author, it's like writing a book, first of all, I didn't. I don't know the first thing about writing a book. So why are you coming to me and asking me to write a book? So later on, let's say about a week or two into like when he first kind of approached me to write the book, he noticed that, you know, I was interested, but I was being a little kind of nervous about going about this. So he decided to to be the co-author on the book. So he's the co-author on the book. And so all the biblical uh, scriptures for the most part comes from him. So those were all his inputs really. Oh, wow. That's, that's actually kind of cool. Why do you think he chose you? Uh, so in the church, it's a pretty small church that we have. Granted, uh, we're all like family. We're very uh, knitted, um, I would say. So I am the oldest of all the children, right? So you have the parents and then you have the, the, the children. So I would be the oldest one. So everyone kind of like already kind of looks up to me in a, in a sense. So he wanted me to kind of like set the example for everyone else. He's kind of like starting to push everyone in the church to like grow in different areas, really. So, so, so he's really been trying to push everyone in their own whatever it is that he finds to be uh, advantageous for for everyone in the church. So, they say everyone should write a book. You know, we all have stories to tell. But for me, it was like, who's really interested in reading about my story? Like, why am I? Why do I feel that I'm special to put my story out there? What's, what's so special about Kel? This book is pretty, it's not like a, it's a, an autobiography, right? It's, it's about something somewhat different. It's about something that's a little more specific. Why this subject matter? If I was going to write a book, it would have had to be on something that I experienced, right? Whatever it was. Um, but I felt that I noticed that, for example, the, my upbringing really, like there was a lot of differences between how I was brought up and how everyone else was. Like, so that one was like the easiest thing for me to kind of gravitate towards that. The African immigrant household, really, it was really to, to kind of like shine a light on how I was brought up in comparison to everyone else's. Because growing up, like, especially when I first came to the States, when I started school, for example, in comparison to like school back home, I noticed that the first difference was that aside from the obvious, the language, I didn't speak English, just French at the time. Aside from that, I noticed that, for example, when we went to school, our schedule was different, where in the morning, we will have the morning class, which probably started around, like, let's say nine o'clock, and we would break around noon. And from, we'll break, I believe, for about one to two hours, and then we will come back for the afternoon session, which will go from around one or two o'clock p.m. to about 5 p.m. or so, or maybe six. 
And the reason for that was because it was a Muslim country. So around noon will be their prayer time. So they will go to the mosque and they will pray. And during that time, it will be a siest during the, well, throughout the entire country, right? Because Niger was predominantly a, a Muslim country. So it's a lot of Muslim folks there. So during that time, all the businesses are closed, all the schools are closed. Everyone is either, you know, gone taking a nap or going to the to the mosque to pray, right? And then after that, then everything kind of like resumed. So that was the first difference that I noticed, right? When I went to school, it was an all day thing. It was you go to you go you go to school, probably get there around eight thirty, and you don't leave until like five around three o'clock, right? So I was just oh, this is this is different. We do get out of school earlier. But there is no break really in between where you get to go home. Um, that's one of the few differences. Um, aside from that, um, it was really like my friends, right, around me. It was like, you know, being able to hang out like after school, like, oh, okay, let's go to the movies, let's go do this. I wasn't free to like just go about and just do whatever. Like whenever I plead, whenever I was pleased, I wasn't able to just get up and just leave. Granted, I could have asked my parents, but for them, it was like you go to school. You come back home, you get some rest, and then you get on your work, like you finish your homework. And then after all that is done, then you may have some free time to like do whatever it was that you needed to do. But even then, after that, you had, by the time I finished my homework, it would be like seven o'clock already, and it would be, all right, now you have to kind of like get ready for the next day. So by nine o'clock, you're in bed, and you get ready and get yourself prepared for the next day. So that was basically my schedule. Whereas my friends, you know, they would probably, they would invite me like, hell, let's go play I don't even know what it's called anymore. Uh, uh, where you get to play live online with your friends on on the PlayStation, things like things of that nature. I didn't get to play uh, my PlayStation throughout the school year, right? That wasn't until the summer when I was able to to really go on and play any games of that, anything like that. So, or let's say it was a holiday. Besides that, it was just you know school. That's your only focus right now. That's the only thing you need to worry about. So just kind of have like a a clear path for you. I mean, that's really interesting, that experience, like you're talking about the fact that, you know, other people are able to to do things right after school. And, and you kind of just you had like a set routine, a set way of doing things. Right. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. I'm curious to know, how did your parents perception of American culture shape the way you were raised? Let me start from kind of like where. I was brought up, right? So my community back home. So from what what I noticed was that back home, everyone kind of like looked out for your children. It was kind of like a, we've all heard the saying, it takes a village to raise a child, right? Right. In, In a very literal sense, that's what it was. Back home, I was free to do anything. Um, I was free to go to the market and buy things for my mom if she needed it. And I was free, like there was much more freedom because we knew that we couldn't, as a child too, we knew that you can't just go out and act anyhow outside because even though that's not your uncle, even though someone that might notice you running amok might not really be a relate, relate uh, someone related to you, he will still kind of like discipline you in a sense he will tell he knows your parents right or he will find your parents like whose child is that and he's behaving in such a manner outside like he has no respect for himself no respect for his parents like what's going on so coming to the states it was a sense where i guess they felt maybe that everyone's everyone's kind of like minding their own business so that's not my child that's not my 
you know, my, that's not my responsibility. So it was left to them to make sure that we, I don't want to say they sheltered us, but they kept us really closed off from everyone else. So that not, not, not really to say that we shouldn't mix with everyone else, but just to make sure that our company that we kept with the right ones, right. We didn't make it the wrong crowd. And for that matter, like one of my close friends to this day was born and raised here. Um, He's Jamaican. For example, I never got really to sleep over. That was never a thing, right? We don't sleep over at friends' houses. That's not a thing. Even family, for that matter, we don't really do that. We don't really spend the night over. So the reason for that was because my mom would always ask, whenever I brought it up, like, hey, mom, can I, like, sleep over at a friend's house or, or anything like that? She would get, what, what's wrong with tripping? Like, do you have a bed here? Like, what are you going over there to spend the night for, right? So it was like... We were very, they were very protective over us, right? They didn't want us to get kidnapped. Like a lot of things went on. So they just yeah. wanted to make sure that we were very well kept and very well uh, protected. And they knew at all times of the day, like what it was we were doing, who and who we were with, right? So that was like their top priority. They needed to know who we were with and what we were doing. I mean, I think that that makes sense. Like I, I agree with that in, in a sense that, I mean, it does take a village to like, you know, to raise a kid. It does. People, you know, around you should be aware that that kid, like I know their parents and then, you know, you watch out for them. That makes sense. Right. It's interesting. Like, cause I grew up in, in the suburbs, right? So not like a city. Okay. And to some extent we do that now, maybe more so 20, 30 years ago. Cause mm-hmm. now it's, it's a lot different. I feel like, you know, there's similarities, but at the same time, like the extent of how similar they are, right? The mm-hmm. perception of it. I remember being a kid and I did dumb things and somebody's like, what are you doing? I know your dad. I'm going to tell your dad. You know, and it's like, oh, not, I, didn't, I don't even know who you are, but you know who I am. They're <laughs> watching you. You know, it's like you have that experience and then you know, oh crap, well, when I get home, those things do happen, but you know, you do still like want your kids to go out and do things, but you also want to make sure they're doing the right thing and not right. doing the wrong yeah. thing. So I, I yeah. definitely get that. Yeah. Uh, to that point. So when I came to the States, I I did, I started in fourth grade and between fourth grade and going past middle school, I just felt that I needed to find a way to kind of like get a little bit more freedom. Like I wanted to be able to go out, have fun with my friends, et cetera. And when I got to high school, I think that's when kind of like the doors kind of like started to open up a little bit for me because, you know, of course I was getting a little bit older now. Um, so they wanted, they had to kind of like start to let me go a little bit. So for me, well, my path was I wanted to play sports. So playing sports meant, you know, you have games, you're going to be out with friends a lot, you know, traveling the road, um, going to games and stuff like that. So being being that I was always active, um, whether it be the basketball team or the football team, um, whatever the case may be, I that that kind of like opened the door for me as far as being able to to for them to trust me, to know that I will be I will be I'll, I'll be OK if I'm out there. Right. Even though I'm out there with friends and stuff like that, they know that I'll be. I'll be able to carry myself in a in a in a well mannered fashion. That's kind of where I started to like gain my freedom, like from my parents in high school, playing sports and uh, it, it, uh, playing sports also kind of taught me a lot of the things that they were, let's say, trying to teach me as far as like discipline, right? Um, being able to be disciplined in what it, in what you're doing, being able to push through like whatever it is that you're doing when it gets hard. So playing sports also kind of 
in a sense, reinforced what it was that my parents were trying, trying to instill within me. So that helped a lot. And I would assume also having that routine after school or even yeah. daily yeah, was yeah. to instill that sense of discipline yeah, so that yeah, you're not exactly. like straying away from that. And also talking about, you know, it takes a village to raise a child. So and Niger is a very collectivistic culture, right? And America, for the most part, is individualistic. So that must have been hard to for you and for your parents to right. see those two right. differences and adapt. So, so when we came to the States, we weren't able to really go to church as much. So back home, we were going to church every single week and on multiple occasions, right? So my mom was in the choir. She was very active in the church. For that matter, I was always with her, right? So let's say, let's say she had to go to choir practice on Monday night. You know, we just we were just at church on Sunday, but here we are again. She's at choir practice. Whether the church has some kind of activity going on Friday night, we were there again. So we were very active in the church uh, back home. But when we came to the states, being that we didn't speak any lang- the language, we didn't speak English. We, I noticed that we no longer had the time to go to church as much anymore. That uh, reason being, my dad was really the only one that spoke English and uh, fluently. And my mother, my younger sister and I were only fluent in, in French. So that made it very difficult, first of all, for us to get anything done without him. And aside from that, he was the only our only source of income in the house at that time. So he was always working and he didn't really have the time to to really sit with us or to even let us, you know, find. We came to a country where we didn't know anything. We didn't know anyone. It was just us. Right. So it was just the four of us at the time. So we didn't have any extended family here. We may have had a couple of um, family friends, but for the most part, we didn't go to church as much anymore because our parents were always working. Um, It will be times where my dad will be working like three days straight and I would not see him and it would be like, hey, what's that? And that is at work. And my mom at the time was also taking nursing classes as well as like English classes so that, you know, at some point she will become a nurse, which she is now. So all of that kind of like took time away from us being able to go back to church and things of that nature. It took us a while for us to find a church, first of all, that we liked. And once we did find the church, it took us a while again to kind of like get back into the habit of going back to church. Because for a while there, we weren't going to church at all. So for them to kind of like come out of nowhere, like, you know what, guys, we're going to start going back to church. It was like, oh, now I've got to wake up early on Sunday morning again. Come on. And going back to it was gaining a community, right? Right. So that must have been huge for your family. Exactly. So, so come to the States, we didn't know anyone, right? My mom, especially the routine on Sunday was we would go to church in the morning and we will be out by noon and then we will go visit our grandmother. So we spent the rest of the day with my grandmother. So her mother. So we will spend the rest of the day with her. So that was the routine every Sunday. And my mom's mom was really like her best friend. So they spoke about everything, whatever the case may be, that was her best friend. So when we moved to the States, she kind of felt lonely right? Because she didn't have anyone that she could speak to face to face. It was always over the phone. And being even that, it, was, it wasn't until, I want to say a couple months in, my dad noticed that she wasn't really 
Like she, she felt lonely because first of all, he's always at work, right? So who's really keeping her company is myself and my sister. And I mean, we're kids. What can we really, right. you know? So she always wanted to talk to her mom, her sisters and brothers back home. So going to church kind of like, especially being that my church is an African church as well. Predominantly, we're all African. So that kind of like, we, we, we share the same values. So we kind of felt like we belonged. We were home. Got it. Yeah. So that was kind of what happened with church. So it was good. Yeah, we actually ended up enjoying going to church again. It wasn't really, it didn't, it no longer felt, after a while, no longer felt like, I don't want to call it like a chore or, or, you know, we were happy to go to church because, you know, we we got along with everyone and we felt welcome there. Um, not to say that the other churches we went to were not welcoming us, but we just didn't feel at home. Right. right. It's like finding the right one for you and yeah. then finding that, that community. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. yeah. I'm curious. You guys landed in New York, but it was cold. It was cold. <laughs> That's true because it's a big difference, right? It's a big difference yeah. in terms of weather. Yeah. So if you would have wound up anywhere else in the country, do you think things would be different? Like, how do you think that would have affected anything? To be honest, I don't know. So my mom's older brother, he kind of traveled a lot. He's studying in Germany. He studied um, He studied in Michigan. So he kind of been, he has been all over the place, really. So to say that I would know what that would have been like, I don't really know because to be honest, even till right now, I haven't really gone outside of New York that much. You know, I visited, you know, maybe DC. I visited uh, outside outside the country, which would be like maybe Canada, something like that. But to say that I would know would be different. I don't think it would have been. I think our parents would have been would have still brought us in the same fashion that they did now, okay, right? Yeah. I think they would have been the same exact thing. We've just been in a different location. I guess in in my mind, I'm wondering if the fact that it's a it's a city, right? It's it's you know, there's it's constantly moving. There's a lot of stuff going on yeah. all the time, and like other areas of the country are are different. I don't know. I you know I don't have that experience, so Chandi, I don't even know. Like, what was I mean, your experience with that too? Yeah. Well, it's also funny that you said your uncles lived in like different places in the two spectrums, or Germany mm-hmm. and Michigan. Yeah, <laughs> yeah right? across the world. Yeah, uncle yeah. traveled a lot. Yeah. So I know for me, you living in different countries, finding a community was really important for my parents, especially my mom, because my dad worked, my mom didn't. So, you know, when the kids go to school, what do you do? And I have to say that it would have been harder to have a healthy life in a way if, or if we were in a more isolated place, for example, like if we grew up in Montana versus growing up in southeastern Michigan, where you do have other Indian American families. I'm not saying Montana doesn't, but you have less. So I'm just curious about that for you. I guess I have to agree when it comes to um, when you said that when when the kids went away to school, you know, my mom was really left to herself. You know, so she was left to wondering, like, you know, how's the family back home? So it would have been nice to have someone here or really anybody to talk to, really. But the the, the other problem was that she did not speak English. She only spoke French. And I mean, to say to say that life would have been would have been different if we were to be, I don't know, living in the suburbs or something. I think that I agree again that it would have been harder because. First of all, you know, you're, you're already alone in, the, in being that you're, you're, you kind of feel isolated that 
you know, you're not able to communicate with everyone. Then that, that's already kind of uh, frustrating. So in a sense, when you're not able to communicate with anyone really besides your, your husband, who's always at work and for a good reason, he's providing for the family. And at the time, we didn't know how to communicate with back home, really. It was that didn't come in until like a couple of months after we got here that we kind of found a way to like, you know, call back home for her to be able to speak with her mother and her brothers and sisters. If we were to live in the suburbs, I think it would have made matters worse. It would have been harder. Um, and I also think that maybe our parents would have been even more, I want to say protective, being that in the suburbs, things are so quiet. You never know what, what's really going on. Yeah. I don't want to make it sound as if like my parents were like so like crazy overprotective over us because we did have we did get the opportunity to have play dates. We did have yeah. the opportunity to go to to go over to a friend's house and you know we might spend a day there, but we were going back home at yeah. night. Like we were not spending yeah. the night there. It was just a, a matter of them knowing that all right, whoever it is I'm leaving my child with, exactly. I know they're competent enough to make sure, first of all, my kid is safe and that they're not they're not um, seeing things that they shouldn't see as far as, right. you know, I don't know, maybe, you know, you might have other kids down the street that might be smoking and you might think, oh, what are they doing? You know, you might, you know, kids have this kind of thing of like interest where they, they just want to know, it's like, what are you doing? What is this? So this open-minded. So so they wanted to make sure that who it is that we were left with would take care of us and were like, you know, just good people in general that they could trust. Right. And that's what happened with my best friend. He and I, to this day, we, we kind of like go back to like how things kind of like started off for us, which was kind of rocky. And it was like when I came to the States and I didn't speak English. Right. I was brought in to the fourth grade. Right. But before coming to the States, I had already I had already completed fourth grade. So really, I was supposed to start in the fifth grade, but because I didn't speak the language and I'm not, I don't really, I'm not really sure how well I did on that interest exam. So they ended up placing me in fourth grade, right? So I had to do fourth grade over and I was so nervous. I didn't speak the language. I'm like, how am I going to understand any of this, right? So none of the material makes sense to me. So my best friend who at the time I I did not know, basically what, what happened was the teacher assigned me to him and he would help me kind of like, he didn't speak English, but he would try his best to like, hey, so uh, she's saying like it's time to like switch to the next subject matter. Like we're no longer doing math. We're not doing English. Right. So he would kind of like help me with that fashion. And even then. Right. We have this crazy thing where he and I was I remember <laughs> he and it was it was like five of us back during that time and that we always hang around each other. So we had like this little crew that we had. And I remember like it was like the within like the first two weeks, right after the teacher kind of assigned me to him, and I went back home one afternoon after class, and I don't know what happened. I don't know. I think something dropped or so, something happened, and I just I just yelled out or um, I just yelled fuck like really loud or something like that. My presence like was going up like what? Where'd you where'd you learn this word from? This guy doesn't know English. Like what? How does <laughs> you understand? So. Um, and I, I also at the time, I wasn't really getting along with my best friend, the guy who's not my best friend. He and I were kind of like having a little bit of conflict. I'm not really sure why, but we weren't really getting along with that. So you could tell there was like a bit of a conflict between the two of us. So my dad is like, so where did you hear this from? 
And I mean, of course, I told him I heard it at school. So he was all right. So the next day he came into the school and he was like, he told our teacher who is like, everyone is afraid of this teacher because she was so strict. Like my dad loved her just because of that. Like she was so strict. She always assigned so much work. So she, he knew that like, she would be like, she would get to the bottom of it basically. So she had us line up. Um, she had lined up all the guys in the class outside the classroom. And she was like, Kel, I want you to point to whoever it was that you heard this word come from. And oh no. Oh, no. <laughs> of course, me not knowing any better, I was like, yeah. So Dono said it. It was Dono, Dono, Dono said it. Um, and I said it in a fashion where like I was happy. I was laughing, like he's about to get in trouble, you know, kids. So he got into trouble. And and that's when I think my parents met his parents, right? And they they saw like his parents ended up like, you know, kind of like just, you know, scolding him at school. And that 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 is kind of like the first the first time like I guess my dad saw someone like his parents were just as strict as my parents were so they kind of found a liking to each other and and then and then I mean eventually he and I got over it right so eventually I went back to him like yo I'm sorry you know I, I did this and et cetera et cetera by the time by that time I knew a few words in English so I was able to apologize. Um, and ever since then, we were cool. We started building that relationship. But he was the only person who I was able to, like, you know, go over to his house. And, like, because my parents trusted his parents and they knew that, you know, they would be able to, to like, you know, if, if I was to step out of line, they would make sure I would get back in line. In the book, you talk a lot about, like, strictness and discipline. When it comes to strictness, right, and, and being strict and, and disciplining your kids, everybody has like a different, people have, you know, different points of view on it and whatnot. But it seems as though like your parents, they were raised a certain way and they wanted to instill those same values and, and follow along their parents' lines in, yeah. in a way to yeah. discipline their own children yeah. and lead them in, in the right direction. That that. Precisely what you said is exactly what my, my mom would say to me, right? So she's like, you know, this is how my parents brought me up, right? So this is what I know and how I know to best teach you so that you, you know, you follow the right steps so you don't go and do the wrong things out there. So so her dad, he passed away when she was really young. But from what she remembers, she, she remembered him as someone who was extremely strict. He did not... He he did not mess around before for any reason. Um, so he at the time, like for example, one of his one of my mom's uh, older brother, right? He at the time he wasn't let's say he wasn't doing really well in school, right? Like school was very important, right? So my mom's dad my mom's dad was a was a nurse, right? So he was a nurse and he was also the principal of the school, right? So. Within that school is where his son was gone at the time. So uh, he was one of the teachers reported to him that he was misbehaving in class and he was um, he was he wasn't, you know, learning his lessons properly. Right. Because back home, the thing was, you know, you might have a lesson for the day and then the next day they will come back and they would ask you to recite like a certain portion of the class. Right. Like something that they felt like was really important for you to 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 keep. So they will have every student like get up in front of the class and then kind of like go through and recite whatever it was that they you know, whatever the assignment was. So he wasn't able to do that for that day. And her my grandfather heard that, my mom's dad, 
she brought he brought him home and apparently he I don't want to make it sound bad as if like he he basically really really disciplined him to the fashion where no one ever really stepped out of line because right he was one of the oldest brothers so he was really strict with him like it was like you had to set the path for every one of your younger siblings everything you did had repercussions right yeah. so don't think that you can just go out and about and do anything it is that you want to do and think that you will get away with it because any one of your actions each and every one of them will have some some kind of repercussion whether it catches up to you now or later on in life it will somehow you know you will pay the price for it whatever it is personally personally when it comes to discipline i think that i want to say that to this day i haven't really 100% recovered from like how strict and how much discipline i have received because right. like for example you know we we're talking about my younger brother before and how he's able to like kind of like get damn near anything he wants right or get away with damn near anything that he wants right uh, versus me who was like like everything had to be like on a straight line like this is how you do it and if you deter from that path you're you know there will be repercussions right so you right. better be for that if you do step out of the line so for that like it kind of like you know my dad always spoke to me in a in a very serious tone right so so to say as like don't step out of line like you know in a very serious tone like there were of course there were times where you know he would be friendly you know but for the most part he always spoke to me in a very serious tone so that kind of like adjusted like our relationship whereas now he and i for the most part kind of like speak in that manner where we're always on the serious gotcha. team and people will kind of might think that i don't know if you're looking at it from the outside you might think like oh what's going on like, are they like is, is there, are they okay? Is there conflict between the two of them? But really, that's just how we communicate because that's how he always spoke to me. Um, and and the way he is, like, over the years, he's softened up, right? And now my younger brother, they're, like, they're, like, best friends. Like, they, they're, I don't understand. Like, it's, like, a whole different <laughs> dynamic, you know, a whole different relationship. Um, yeah. but, but also, I understand because it's, like, you know, what I noticed also is like, you know, the first child is like, you want to make sure that you get this one right. Just so that when the other two or three or whatever come along, you're not, you're not, um, you know, you've made the, the, you've done the right things with the first one. So it will be easier to kind of lead the other two or three in, um, in the same path. So my, yeah, my younger brother, he's able to, for example, when it comes to grades, he's like an A student across the board, right? Versus me who, you know, I did school. I did really well in school, but I just wanted to play basketball for the most part in high school. Like that's, you know, me and my friends would talk about it today. And like, you know, we would be in class like, oh man, I can't wait to practice. You know, that's the only thing in our mind. So we would do, I don't want to see the bare minimum, but my dad would always tell me this, like, hell, you're not even really trying that hard, but you're getting nothing but B's across the board. So imagine if you were to actually sit down, like, and be serious with your books, like you would, You'd be a straight A student like across the board, you know. So like that's where the like I see like the differences between like you know how I was brought up versus how my my younger brother was brought up, you know. So and it's never been like there will be times where I would think about, oh man, why is my dad so strict? Why is he like so like he's always ready to like you know punish me if I did anything? That's how I felt at least growing up. And like now when I look back at it, like 
to be honest, I deserved it. I deserved, I deserved like the the because I was I wasn't really I was very rebellious <laughs> to say the least. I was very rebellious. So it was like, oh my dad beat me. So now let me do something so that like I don't even know. Like it was like it was like a very childish, childish like way of thinking. So uh you did this, so I gotta do this kind of thinking, which isn't really it's not healthy at all, right? So um, but yeah, so I, I, I understand now looking back, like why he did the things he did or how, why he went about doing things he did. Like a lot happened, um, when I first came to the States, I almost got caught up in the wrong crowd and for a time being, I almost joined again. But the second my dad found out, yeah, right. The second my dad found out he, uh, that night, Right. Because he he's been here for a while. So he knows the signs. He knows everything. Okay. So there were, I had I had uh, some beads that he found and he's like, oh, he knows what this is. So one night he said he he saw it for about a week, but he just didn't know, like, if it was what he really thought it was. Like, really? He, yeah. Yeah. Right. So so for some reason, I don't know what like how he came to the conclusion that. All right. This guy's really like he's really going on the wrong path. So. He woke me up one night and he's like, Kel, get in the car, um, taking me somewhere. So we, we get in the car, we're driving down and and he sees a police officer. So he pulls over and he says, wait right here. He goes out and he's speaking to the police officer. I'm like, it's two in the morning. I'm like, why did you wake me up at two in the morning to like, what, what's going on right now? So <laughs> the police officer calls me over, right? And my dad goes in the car and he says, the guy wants to talk to me. So I go over to the police officer and he's like, Listen, kid, you know, your dad told me, like, what's going on? Like, this is what you want to do. Like, you know, this is where you want to go. If you want to go join the gang, like, this is what happens, right? There are a bunch of kids out here that are now, like, in jail. There are a bunch of kids out here that no longer have a life. They're dead because, you know, they want to go out and join the gang. So if you want to join the gang, like, the gang is in the way to find, like, like the group of brothers. Because I think that, that a lot of times when people go to join gangs because they feel... They, 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 they have a lack, I could be wrong, but they have a lack of, of they feel a lack of belonging, right? Um, they want to belong in a, in a group or something like that. So for me, what I found was sports. Sports gave me that, right? Playing basketball, playing football. Um, that kind of like opened the, the doors for me to make, to make acquaintances where I was able to make friendships that lasted. And, you know, you had that sense of belonging and, you know, so, so the, the, that, that kind of like woke me up, you know, first of all, it was two in the morning. So I couldn't go back to sleep after that because the, the at first the, the, the police officer wasn't really that nice to me. So what happened was it, it turned out like that my dad kind of wanted the, the officer to kind of like scare me straight. So it was to kind of like put me in the, the he put me in the car, in the back of his car and it was to, he was going to drive me basically and, and basically lock me up, right? But mind you, I'm like eight years old. So really, at the time, I was scared because I didn't know like what was going on. Like I'm, at the, I'm sitting behind the cop car. And then that's when he kind of explained to me, like, like, you know, this is what could happen to you. Like, you don't want to go down that path. So my dad's way of like, like um, I'm saying all this because my dad's way of, of, of disciplining me was very... It was it was very thought out and very thorough, right? Like he did everything for a reason. It was there was never a, a case where he punished me because he was having a bad day or he 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 was just like let's say he went out and a client misspoke to him and he's not in a good mood. You know that 
it was never like he was taking out his anger on me. It was more so like, look, you're not doing what you're supposed to do. And we would have this rule where if he called me out on something once, I only had, you know, three strikes in my mouth. So you call me out for the first time, you know, and it will be in a calm tone, you know, a calm manner and a calm tone. Um, the second time, you know, he starts to raise his voice like, Kel, we just spoke about this, what's going on? And then now uh, the third time, all right, you're, you're done. You're not listening anymore. So clearly now I had to go about this in a, in a different way. So that's kind of like when the discipline happened at that point, right? But before that, it wasn't, you know, it was just him trying to talk to me. And if that didn't get through to me, then you get a beating. <laughs> yeah, no, I, yeah, I get it. I mean, yeah, I think that a lot of people have like similar experiences. It's weird. I feel like it's like a, a father thing. Um, yeah. yeah, because <laughs> my sister, my sister didn't get, uh, you know, she didn't really get beat because I mean, first of all, she's a girl. So what? Really, yeah. No, well, my my mom took care of that, right? Oh, really? I, okay. I, yeah. So like, let's say she misbehaved, it'll be like, all right, go talk to your daughter because like she's she's acting up right now, and then my mom will take care. My mom will step in at that point. You know, I I was the one that took the beating for everyone, so it kind of like softened it for everyone else. <laughs> gotcha. You were you were yeah you were the sacrifice. Yeah. Yeah. Exactly. <laughs> the oldest kid. <laughs> so you seem to come across this experience uh, with a sense of gratitude, but not everybody mm-hmm. who's had the same experience as you would. Mm-hmm. So what would you say to them? They might even resent their parents. So what would you say to them? That is true that at, at a certain point, I myself kind of grew a resentment to my parents, more so my dad. For the for the for um when it comes to that. And it was because I felt like he was always so hard on me. And you know, he would always say to me, like, you know, right now you don't see or you don't seem to understand why you know I'm pushing you so hard. You don't seem to understand why I am being so strict towards you, right? So at the time it felt like he was just out to get me, right? So let's say today was his day off, I will make it my mission to not cross his path just because I felt like if I did, he would pick something that I wasn't doing right. That's how I felt at the time, just to yell at me for any any reason or the other. Um, but granted, now, like I said, like now that I look back on it, I did misbehave a lot. Like I did do a lot of things that, you know, were uncalled for. So now that... I'm looking back at it, you know, him saying that, you know, as you get older, the more you realize, like, why, you know, I was so strict to you and why I, um, why I kind of like was so, I disciplined you so much. So what I would really say to them is really kind of like have a a sense of self-accountability where like you have to know, you have to be able to take responsibility for your own actions, right? Um, It comes to a point where you know, at the end of the day, you're responsible for yourself. And that's really what my dad was trying to teach me, right? You have to be responsible for yourself. You have to carry yourself in a responsible manner because, I mean, yeah, responsible manner, because if you don't and you just go about life doing whatever it is that you want, thinking that, you know, nothing will come of it, then you're going about it totally wrong because um, his, his situation, him growing up was completely different from, from, Let's say mine, for example, right? I grew up in the city, you know, from when I was born, right? I grew up in the city. My dad was born 
and what, you know, you would see on TV as Africa, right? You know, the huts and everything, the leaves, like he was born in the village. That's literally where he came from. So for him to come, for him to come from that to where we are now, there, there had to be a lot of trials and tribulations that he had to go through, right? So his life compared to mine is nothing. Like he, he went through a lot more than I have, I have had to go through, a lot more discipline that life had to teach him versus me learning it from him, right? So for that, he was a lot more strict on me because of that, because he knows, like, look, this is where I come from, right? This is what life was for me. And we have it easier, but don't take advantage of that. And and just know that all the things that I'm teaching you right now, it might not make sense. Like, you know, you this is how you do certain things. It doesn't make sense to you now, but eventually, like, you understand, like, why you have to do things a certain way. Everyone has kind of like their own experiences that they're, they're they will be biased in a sense, right? Because, you yeah. know, my my upbringing, while I may have felt that that, would have, that was a hard, you know, time compared to what my dad had to go through, I shouldn't be complaining, right? I, I'm living the life right now because, you know, compared, like, he literally, we went back home um, about a month ago, and I got to visit the village where he was born and raised, and, you know, c- comparing that to where, you know, I was born comparing that to where my life is now compared to where his life was then at, at my age is completely drastically different. Right. So I have a lot of the things that he didn't have at the time that he had to work for to get. Right. So his life was a lot harder for him to achieve the things that I was able to achieve at my age. And for that, he he's constantly reminded me, you know, I'm proud of you, Kel. Like you've, you know, you've gone this far, you still have a long way to go, but you know, you're you're going down the right path. And I think also like as a son, there's also this thing within you where it's like you want to make your parents proud, you want to make your father proud, you want to make your mother proud. So come that coming from him, it's like, all right, you know, I know I'm headed down the right path. I just gotta, you know, but then again, everyone's experience is different. So I'm not saying that this is how you should go about it. I'm just saying basically I'm just portraying my my point of view yep. and why I think that this is how you know you overcome that 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 sense of resentment towards your parents you have to kind of reflect on your actions why was it that my mom or my dad were upset when I did x y and z um why did I do it you know and what is it what what was it that they were trying to teach and what was it that I was supposed to learn in that situation I think that's what it really comes down to just um, a, a level of self-awareness and self-accountability. Yeah. Yeah. And I think that's a great thing about your book is that you're not pushing an agenda. You're not pushing dogma onto people. You're just saying, this is what happened to me. This is what I learned from it. And this may happen to you and kind of giving people you know, I think the most advice, I mean, you're not, it's not like you're not pushing any advice, but um, it is just to come at it with a little bit of empathy, which I think yeah. is important, yeah. right? Yeah, definitely. Yeah. Yeah. My my parents, going when they would tell me, you know, the situations and like, like the, the conditions in which they had to grow up, you know, versus mine, you know, I will always like, 
when you when I sit down and reflect and think back to it, it's just like I'm very fortunate to be living and you know to be born first of all in this family at the time that I, I am born because you know I I I I think and believe that you know God chooses certain people to go through certain battles because they feel he he knows that you know he knew that my dad would be able to get through you know being born in the village and getting us to this point right so for that reason he you also need to understand that I was born in this time as well because God knows that I'm going to be able to get myself and my family to the next level right so my dad what whatever it is that he was able to go whatever it is he had to go through to get to the to the point where he is today like you know a lot of a lot of um what's the word uh I look up to that a lot because it's like you know you there's a there's a a sense where you start to think about all the other all his other comrades all his other friends families that are still living back home and didn't really while while they're living a much better life now you know they they have children of their own they're living it they have jobs that you know they they're all um um able to take care of themselves but he went a lot further so i'm blessed to be in a situation where you know i wasn't born in um, in a family not not to say that they're they're less fortunate right but just to say that i'm blessed to be where i'm at right now and that's because of how far my parents were able to push themselves to 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 get to this point right and my mom's story isn't that much different from my father's my mom was born in the city but her dad passed away when she was like 16 years old so it was left to her mom right and herself and her other seven children to kind of like take care of themselves so imagine a single mother taking care of seven kids by herself and all of them are successful like they all are very well educated they're all doing well but she did that damn near by herself so my mom's upbringing too was very hard. So when I think about like how they were brought up and versus what my life has been, uh, it gives me a sense of gratitude, right? Like in a sense of um, um, uh, really the word I'm looking for is gratitude, right? I'm I'm, I'm blessed to be in this in, in the space that I am now. So I don't know if I personally would have been able to push through all the things that they were able to, to 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 push through and accomplish as much as as much as they have done because for them first of all they were able to 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 get a life for themselves back home prior to, to us moving here right and then moving here is another challenge where you don't speak the language and you have to find a way to make a living for yourself along with raising your children so you kind of like put all your dreams to, um on the back burner and now all your focus is on this ki- on on your kids um when before i came to the states really i never seen my parents work for a boss per se right they were entrepreneurs right so my mom she went to sewing school and she started her own business like literally around i want to say around 19 20 years old she started her own business or right around the time when i was born so she was around 22 right and she had she 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 made clothes she was a tailor and you know she was the boss she hired people she was responsible of you know feeding um her employees basically right and my dad also 
at the time he had his own business where he was, you know, back then, especially back home, you didn't throw out your TVs. So he learned how to fix the television and he was an electrician as well. So he had his own business going. So they were both very, like very successful. My dad likes to brag about how like he had to walk to school and like flip flops. Right. And my first time going to school was in a Mercedes Benz that he had just bought and he hired a chauffeur to drive me around. So he would brag about things like that. So like to think about like, just those two drastic differences. It's like, like whenever I'm going through something hard, it's just like, I don't have, I think back to what they went through and I'm like, I don't have really a reason to, 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 to be complaining because it's like, they, they may have gone through days and nights where they probably went to bed on empty belly. We, I never, I never know. know. Like I've never known what that felt like. Right. They, like it was hard for for them maybe let's say to find their next meal versus me i know like i went to school i went to college like everything i don't want to say it was handed to me but i had a better opportunity in damn near every sense right so whenever i'm going through something hard it's like hell just find a way through it because like things could be much worse then yeah, no, that's um yeah, I think that's one of those things where, like, you, your parents were able to, like, tell you that and, and help you understand that, right? Like, they went through a lot, and so you're, you're, you're good. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. And, and some people, though, it's, it's, it's interesting because some people never hear their parents actually say that. You, like, you know that's what they're trying to do. You know that's the point they're trying to get across. Mm-hmm. But you never actually hear them like verbally out loud say that to you so you don't really connect it until like much later yeah 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 that's that's the thing about my my dad like he will discipline you but after everything has calmed down and he himself has calmed down then he will come back to you and have you sit down he would explain to you like look i didn't want to beat you but this is what you did and it's wrong so you're going to you know you're going there will be repercussions for what you've done um, but also he would explain to me, you know, like, you know, at your age and, and at the time I'm like, oh, why is he telling me this again? Like he's telling you, going back to the stories of like how he was brought up. But now like you think about it and you're like, yeah, like he was right. Like at his age, he didn't have the opportunity that I had. So for me to kind of like, let's say like growing up, it was a thing where every day I had to read for at least an hour and I had to, to, to do some form of math, like every grade, he will buy like a book. Let's say I was going to the fifth grade next year, he'll buy fifth grade and sixth grade um, level math books, right? And he will have me go through those during the summertime and read at least one, at least one to two hours a day. So at least for four hours of the day, I was doing some kind of work that, you know, that will help me be better in school. So I say all that to say that he, he didn't have all those opportunities because he wasn't able to even really finish high school, right? He wasn't able to finish high school, but look how far he's come. Versus me, I was able to finish high school, but so like, how much further can I go? How much further can I push myself? Um, so he's always kind of like reminding us, like, you know, Kel, Benny, Jenny, those are my, my siblings. Um, like, we are 
in a much better place than they are because they were able to push through. So it's for now for us to not only handle whatever it is that like they've instilled in us, use that to our advantage and try to use that as motivation to go much further because look how far they've come. What can you accomplish for yourself, right? How far, how much further can you go? So, so he's able, he was able to, to really communicate and tell me, you know, um, why I, what I did was wrong. And like, it was, there was never just, all right, you did this wrong, so I'm beating you, but I'm not explaining to you why I'm beating you, right? I'm not explaining to you why I'm disciplining you. There's always, you know, a discussion before, before or after to kind of, you know, so you understand like why what you did was wrong, you know? Yeah. And some, some parents don't do that. Okay. So I, I, yeah, I mean, that's, I mean, I, I think it's better to explain, to have it explained yeah. to you as to like what actually was. I mean, my younger brother is lucky where he gets a lot more explaining now because my dad doesn't have the patience really to kind of discipline as much anymore. He's just like, I don't want to beat this kid. Let me just talk to him. So my, but also my brother is a much more, I want to say my brother was a lot, is a lot more uh, uh, able to understand. I, he's able to grasp whatever it is that they're t- telling him and he listens more than I do. Okay. Well, see, so, yeah, I mean, it's everybody's <laughs> different, right? So like, yeah, that's, exactly. you know, it goes back to like, each kid is different. So you, your, your discipline of that kid is going to be. Right. right. Gonna be different. Yeah. He would, he would come back to me like, hell, that did this. Like he's yelling at me because I did that. Like, is it that serious? I'm like, Man, if, if if that was me, it would be a whole different situation right now. <laughs> there wouldn't be much talking right now. So, yeah. So you compare your experiences, which is which is funny because then you kind of understand. Well, because you understand why your parents have disciplined you a certain way, and mm-hmm. in a way, you're probably seen as like a father figure, right, <laughs> to the younger yeah. um, siblings, because you're parents probably unknowingly or maybe knowingly trained you to kind yeah. of also be that role model. I think that's a thing for a lot of young, older kids yeah, um, yeah, across the board. Cause I've seen that even, you know, my experience and other um, experiences of like the older kid. So, so, I have to agree there because, I mean, the whole basis to why my parents were the way they were with me was because I was the oldest, right? So for them, if they didn't get it right with me, then my younger brother and my younger sister would just follow my footsteps. So it would be like, all right, Kel got away with this. Why can't I get away with it, right? Kel, Kel was able to do this. Why can't I do this, right? So whatever I did, and, and to be honest, like my younger brother and I, we're 10 years apart, but... I will see him do some of the, some of the things that I did, right? But he wasn't there to see me do it. So why, how is he able to like? What is it that you know? Why is he repeating the same things, the same mistakes I was making, right? So for me, it's like if I don't correct myself, then first of all, I can't tell my younger brother and sister to like, look, this is wrong. Because if I go to them and tell them like, hey, look, what you're doing is wrong, then now I'm being a hypocrite, right? I can't give you advice if I'm not applying it myself, right? So, you know, if really, like, if my, my parents felt like if I if I was misbehaving or if they let me go down the wrong path, then 
my brothers and my sisters would just follow suit. They would just go down the same road that I've gone. And then, you know, they just, that's three, three kids down the drain versus they get it right the first time. And then also it's it kind of, I was also kind of like the, the guy who, I was the guinea pig, right? So if I did something wrong, my sister was there to watch me get disciplined, right? So she knows not to go over there because it's like, oh, I saw what happened to Kel, so I'm not gonna go down that path, right? And my like my the last time I got beat, I got a beating. My I'm pretty sure my younger brother was he was old enough to remember, like oh, you know, if like the worst side of my dad or like when he really gets upset, he he got a tiny taste of it from watching me and how my how he dealt with me right so they know like all right like they kind of know of um like you know right from wrong just from my experience alone just watching me and how i was brought up so in a sense that's that's yeah you're totally right there like i had to make sure i was going down the right path just to make sure that my younger brother and my younger sister would not you know deviate and go do other things we're almost like the test kids, right? Exactly. Yeah. <laughs> we are the test kids. <laughs> yeah. Guinea pigs, test kids, whatever you call it, right? Definitely. I agree. One of the things that I guess I want to know, because I see in your book, you, you know, structure the chapters in a particular way. Huh? You kind of, you, I mean, you break it down, right? Like, but why did you decide to break it down in that particular way? I wanted to go, I want to say, starting off from like, the very beginning um so basically starting to write the book started off by kind of like writing an essay right so what is the topic that i want to discuss and in a sense i want to make sure that what it is i'm discussing is able to make sense to the reader when they read it right it has to be able to flow in the uh for them to understand so going from point a to point b there has to be some sort some sort of uh, correlation when i started writing a book um how it was structured structured was i wrote down based off the topic different points that i wanted to talk about um as far as the immigrant household how i was brought up so me talking about you know the discipline me talking about going to church right the the relationship there is that going to church every 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 sunday first of all it's not there will be times when you don't want to go to church right you don't always really want to go to church but you getting up and you going about like making your way to go to church that that also builds discipline um talking about you know playing sports there's a discipline so so really having a relationship between the, the different chapter chapters um, was was how I structured um, writing a book, um, along with you know guidance from my pastor. Really, I think the the chapters are actually like laid out in a really really good way. Where you know it, it's kind of like it seems like you know it's the beginning of of sort of like all right you know this is parents at large right like mother father this is how they you know how they grew up how they decide to discipline and then it kind of just progresses to. Yeah. Like you said, you know, once you get older, right, and you're understanding mm-hmm. why they did what they did, it's it's kind of like a story in a way. But it, I mean, it's not directly like a you know like a narrative. It's just yeah, it, it definitely creates an easier way of understanding the subject matter and like what you're talking about. The chapter one where we're talking about how the father and the mother 
um, disciplines their, their children, how they're equal, but, uh, but still different in the same manner. So, so things like that, and going all the way down to chapter 10, where, where we're talking about the art of, you know, uh, biblical parenting and different types of parenting styles, things like that. Those were all really structured by how my pastor felt it will be, it will be best to present it to, to the reader. Um, yeah. So he wanted to go kind of, like you said, in a holistic fashion, you know, the differences between how, how, you know, parents, different parents. So I don't want to say American or, you know, a certain um, ethnic group, but really parents in general, how they discipline or how they, they, they bring their kids up. And then what are the differences between their parenting styles versus our parenting styles, how his, how he disciplines his children, which he also sees, you know, there are similarities between his family, how he disciplines his kids and how my parents discipline us growing right. up. So that's how we kind of bring them up. How being a minority of some sort affects parenting style. Benin being mostly Christian, where your family originally is from, but you being born in Niger, and being raised there, which is mostly Muslim. Muslim, yeah. And being a Christian is a very small minority. Do yeah. you think that impacted your parents' parenting style? Um, I think that I think that there were definitely uh, some some thought that they had there in regards to the differences between how Muslim like a Muslim household versus a Christian household. I'm sure there are many differences there. Um, but what I can speak on is that as far as Christianity goes and how we were brought up, it was always, I mean, we, we, we were brought up to not really, you know, look at anyone really differently from, from, from us. Most of my friends for that matter at the time were all Muslim um, besides the ones that I did go to church with and things of that nature. Um, so really, there, there, there weren't really any differences because even until till this day, one of my mom's friends is Muslim. So it, it's, it really just comes down to the person who you're speaking with, right? Does this person share the same values as you? Does this person, does this person have a level of integrity that you that you build, right? Do you feel like you can, you're, you're not only safe, are you able to, to communicate and and get along with this person, right? Because some some you know some people will look at you and they would say because you're not Christian or because you're not Muslim, then you're not. Like, you're, I don't want to associate myself with you. I know what I am, and regardless of what you are, I don't. That doesn't really affect me in any way because I already know where I am and where I'm going. Yeah, I guess my yeah my thinking in asking that question was because being a minority of whatever sort you're bound to feel some sort of isolation at some point. And I wonder if parenting styles are affected okay. by how isolated you are as a parent. Okay. So, so back home, really, although the country was, was predominantly Muslim, there were still a lot of Christians in, in, in Niger, in Yemen. So we weren't alone. Like we had a big church that we went to and probably in the hundreds congregation was really large. So there were a lot of people that were there. So we did not feel isolated at all. Uh, wherever we went, there were other Christians. Um, we spent most of our time at church. So we were 
always together, basically, because after Sunday service, I probably saw you again at least two or three times throughout the week. So <laughs> there was really no isolation there. Yeah. Yeah, because you're kind of like you, yeah, you're like you have your own little community. So you, you know what I mean? Like yeah. you, you're, yeah. you're, that's pretty much what you associate with, you know? So yeah, exactly. yeah. Yeah. And having that community is, I mean, vital, right? Yeah. It's very we all important. need that. Exactly. Yeah. I think I think that was that was one of the things that that I struggled with when you know when I came to the states, you know, making friends. You know, a lot of people, especially when you're young, a lot of people are like kind of interested, like, oh, this guy doesn't speak French, you know. So they would ask me a bunch of different questions, and I would just be like, yeah, I don't really know what you're saying, but sure, yeah, you know. <laughs> so so although at times it was easy for me to make friends, it was still hard for me to find. Uh, friends with whom I felt I can I can really communicate to on a level that I wanted to because it's not everyone that comes with you with you you're going to feel that the same level of connection. Um, so for me when I came to the States having making new friends was was at first it was difficult, but especially once I got over that that language barrier. It was pretty easy for me to make friends. And then it was now left for me to kind of like, all right, this is the right friends that I need to be with. And this is a like, who's your group of friends, right? So like, you know, like I said, I almost went down the wrong path. I almost joined the gang and everything. But like, eventually I was able to tell like, all right, this is not the kind of like crew I want to belong to. This is not really my, my group of friends. And then that's when sports came in and then that made it even easier because at that point, everyone in the school knew me because you're on a sports team. So everyone is kind of like, hey, what's up, Kel? Hey, I don't know you, but what's up? <laughs> yeah. It's like once you find that activity, like once you find something to do, you yeah, find exactly. your people and then like, yeah. you know, then you, yeah, yeah, you like find... Joining a club or joining a, 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 a group with whom you share... Uh, uh, same values, similarities, whatever it may be, whether it's a game or like, that's how I was able to make friends. Right. Um, you know, so, so yeah. playing sports opened a lot of doors for me and it taught, it taught me a lot of lessons that my parents were trying to teach me that I didn't learn if it wasn't for, you know, playing basketball or playing football and also how to behave because our, our coaches were really, you know, they were really big on integrity, right? So if you're if you're if your role on the team is to get rebounds and you're not getting rebounds, it's like you're not doing your job. Like what are you what are you doing right now? So that kind of like builds a sense of of of, of um, integrity in, in in the player. And then that can now later be applied to a bunch of other things in life. So if you decide to have kids one day how do you think your parenting style might be different than your parents and or the same? I don't know. So, so how I would go about disciplining my, my, um, my son and my daughter will be basically in the same, in the same fashion where my, how my dad brought me up, but it will be a mixture of how, his relationship is with me and my younger brother, where he's able to speak. I'm able to speak to you in a in a serious tone, and you will know. All right, yeah, that is serious right now, so I better, you know, I better um, start behaving. But also in the sense where he knows that 
if he did step out of line, that there will be repercussions, right? So not really instilling that as much fear, but also communicating a lot more um, with my, my 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 children. So I wouldn't I wouldn't be as strict, really, because I think it also comes down to 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 how well the my my children are able to to I guess to I want to say listen or behave whatever the case may be however you want to put it but like like for example if my father dealt with me how he's dealing now with my younger brother I probably wouldn't be here I would still be misbehaving maybe because he's much lighter on my younger brother than he was with me and that was because I was much more rebellious I was much more like I was doing things that you know, uncalled for a lot more than my brother versus my brother, who's a lot more able to um, understand. And he's much more passive. He's not really, you know. So I think it depends on 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 the 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 child himself. And now being able as a parent now after what I've gone through, also being able to adjust. You know, my level of like how do I communicate to my son and my daughter. So that they're able to understand, because there, there, there is a study where it's like, um, if you're if you're only disciplining your child, he or she may only grow to, to, um, he won't really understand why it is he's being disciplined, right? I think it's really important to understand why. I think it just comes down to me being able to to adjust with the different the different. Um, like the differences between my my children, so I will, I don't think I I don't think I would be as strict, even though my younger sister thinks that because growing up I I'm like oh, I don't want to be as strict as dad is, but when my sister talks to me she's like hell you're gonna be just like dad, and I'm like I don't I don't know I don't think I'll be as strict, but I won't also be as as easy going just just so that they know like you know you know this is not like. You have to know when to play around and when not to. Like you know, there's a time to be serious and when not to. But yeah, I don't think I don't think that 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 really disciplining um your children is the best way of going about it because I don't want my children to grow to resent me either, right? But I want them to 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 understand that look, everything that I do for you is out of love and me trying to get the best out of you, and not just. Like maybe dad is upset. He's like just being mad at me right now, you know. So, so me, I, I think that I just need to be able to adjust myself when it comes to disciplining and being able to communicate with them. I think that's a really big being able to communicate with your kids. Um, I think that once they understand, which is really the hard part, right? Trying to get them to understand, like why is it that you don't understand what I'm trying to tell you? But I think that's that's really the key to to getting them. To, to behave properly, being able to, to communicate. So like you just said, discipline. And I'm wondering, like, do you see a difference between disciplining your kids and being strict? Do you think like you can discipline your kids without strictness? Or do you think that those two things are like intertwined? Like you have to be strict to discipline your kids. Um, I think, I think that being strict could be, let's say, your parents want you home by a certain time or else, right? Um, curfew. Or let's say um, after school, you have to come straight home, right? And then discipline, I would say kind of now we're, we're talking about 
repercussions, right? So now you didn't come straight home after school. Where were you, right? Now, now I don't want to say that like just because they've done it once or twice, now you discipline them. But after a while, when it comes too much and you know your child's no longer listening to you, then I think that's when discipline kind of like now yeah. needs to step in so that they do know, all right, you know, if I do this next time, this can happen again. And this is a serious thing to think about, right? So I, I do think it's intertwined, right? It's just a matter of like knowing when to apply which one. Right. Yeah, yeah I understand. Yeah. Um, as, as the older one, like looking at my younger siblings, I noticed that I started like as I was growing up to be just as strict as my parents was to them. Um, so like whenever they, like, let's say my parents were in around and I was kind of in charge, I would be just as strict with them or just as much of a disciplinary, not, not in fact, not in, a, in the sense where I was beating them, although we do get into a couple of fights here and there, but nothing, never too crazy, but it would be, it would be like, I noticed that, you know, as the older brother, I would start to kind of imitate my dad in a sense, right? But also understanding that you, as, as being the older brother, I'm not, though I'm not to really like take on that role, but more so like as the older brother, like, you know, being able to express to them or, or being able to communicate with them in the sense that they're able to understand. Because for the most part, whenever, whenever, our parents do discipline, they're coming to me next, right? They're like, they're coming to me to talk next, like, hell, like, this is what happened, like, you know? So being able to communicate with them, man, I think that in any any relationship, communication is vital, being able to talk, being able to, to understand each other, why things are to be a certain way. Um, I think that's very important. And literally, um, really, I don't know if we're closing, but in, in, in closing, what I would say would be um, for anyone who really has gone through or is going through what I've gone through, like growing up in an immigrant country, I mean, yeah, in a different country as an immigrant, I I would say if your parents are, are just as strict and they're, you're going down this path and you're thinking like, oh, my parents, so they probably don't love me. Because I, I've gone to the point where I was like, oh, I want to run away from home and I don't know if anyone else. I'm pretty sure other kids have. Uh, have yeah. Well. <laughs> like, <laughs> like, at some point, like, you know, you just, I think that we just need to, like I said before, you just have to be able to be self-aware of what you're doing. You have to, to, to be able to understand that for the most part, well, I don't even want to say for the most part. Your parents literally want what is the best for you. So, like, they're just trying to push you as hard as they can so that you can go a lot higher and further than they want, right? Because to them, their ceiling is your floor. So you have a different starting point. Like, they see much more potential in you, and that's literally what they're trying to get out of you, right? And no one else is going to push you as hard as your parents would. Literally, it's just out of love that they're pushing you. And to be honest, I'm grateful for how how much they've pushed me or else I wouldn't be here right now. Yeah, one more question for you. <laughs> oh, should boy. be a quick one. Yeah, it's here. Why should people buy your book? Uh, I want to say if you are curious to get an insight, because I, I would always get that question, right? Kel, why is your parents so strict? 
Kel, like, why can't you come out tonight? Kel, why can't you do X, Y, and Z? You know, if you have friends like this, or you're just curious and you want to know what it's like living as an immigrant and as an African immigrant at that, um, coming to a new country, um, I think I think this would be a perfect book because I, I I wanted to really for my I wanted my reader to really be able to visualize and kind of get a sense of feeling of what it was like coming to a new country. Um, but if you want to get a sense of like what it, what it's like living in America as an African immigrant who didn't speak English, who who kind of never I never saw snow right before I felt what it was, what it's like to, to be in, in um, outside and it's like 10 degrees or something like that, right? So, so like if, if, if you were curious at all or you're in a situation where you are currently in my, in what used to be my shoes growing up, if you want to, to understand why they are the way that they are, I think that this book is able to kind of explain to you what, what it, why they discipline you so much or why it is that they the way that they are. And where can everybody find your book? Where can the listeners find it? Yeah, so you can find my book on Amazon. Um, just type in the title, The African American Household. Yeah, so right now it's available on Amazon and I'm actually working on the ebook and hopefully the audio book will be coming out too soon. So we'll see. Can you read a passage or just, you know, a couple sentences? The first page and the first line, the first two lines, right? So this is how I hear my dad saying it to me, right? Okay, are we ready? Page one, right? So, so you have gotten an A on your exam, but your mate has gotten an A+. plus. That's your mate. Do they have two heads? So that's literally how my parents would say it to me. Like that's, I can literally hear my dad speaking in that tone. Kel, thanks for being on the show. Um, it's been great having you. Thanks so Thank much. You, Thank you guys. Thank you guys for having me on the show. I really appreciate this opportunity. You know, I honestly really did enjoy reading Kel's book. And, you know, I'm aware that it is an account of his own personal experiences, right? And everybody has different experiences in terms of coming here from somewhere else, right? Moving here, immigrating and adjusting to American culture versus your own culture, which I guess technically then becomes your culture, right? It's, it's eventually, like, in some way, shape or form, is that, I mean, how, how do you feel about that? Yeah, I, I think you're right because... Like I was saying before, you know, in school, kind of had to be one way or with friends. And then at home, you had to be one way with your parents. So eventually those two different cultures do merge into one. And that's how you become an adult, you know, being able, basically having your own culture in that sense. And, Got it. And I think you're right in terms of Kel's book, because no matter if you're an American, if you're an immigrant, there's something that everyone can relate to. Yeah. So that's that's important to know. We had a great time chatting with Kel about his experiences being raised in Africa, specifically Niger, and in the U.S. Kel's book, The African Immigrant Household, is available now on Amazon.com. It's a great read, and we'll make sure to put the link in the show notes. Well, I was going to say, like, so I, I really like the way that Kel 
broke the book up into certain chapters because it, it, it reads as like a guide, but it also reads as his experience, which I thought was really clever. Each chapter is like a unique phase or a unique topic of his upbringing. But yeah, like, so the way he breaks down each chapter, and it's kind of like an insight into the parenting styles of African immigrants. And I mean, it's, once again, this is his own experience, but I, I like the idea of it being the sort of guide to understanding the African parenting style while also speaking to his own personal experiences. And it's also funny. Oh, there's some good moments in there. Yeah, yeah. It's a good read. Thank you for joining us for another episode of Bound by the Cloak. Be sure to follow us on Twitter, Instagram, listen to us on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, or really wherever you get your podcasts. Thanks for listening. We'll see you next time.